Welcome to Truth Unbound, and I'm Walter Swaim. And here at Truth Unbound, we take up the issues and the things that are happening in society, or we take up questions that there are about God and Christianity and the Bible, and we bring them under the spotlight of the scriptures, God's word, to find the answers he has for us as to how to understand it all and how he wants us to live in the midst of it. Well, I'm really glad to be back with you. A uh, little bit of a delay, and this will happen from time to time as, as my responsibilities as a pastor and chaplain and teacher and some other duties as well uh, all clash together and push me back at times. So I really appreciate your patient, patience. <laughs> so today you need to put on your seatbelt and put it, pull it really tight. It's not an easy listen, okay? It, this also is a sensitive subject, so you might want to separate yourself from the kids so that they're not within earshot of the podcast, at least for today. And uh, I'll, I'll count from five to one to give you a chance to do that, okay? Five, four, three, two, one. All right. Well, I said it's, a, it's not going to be an easy listen. So watch and listen to this article. Okay, so here's the article from The Insider. I fell in love with another married woman at my kids' school. My husband supported me through the whole relationship, even the breakup. She says, my husband and I met at a university in New Zealand. He was a quiet, sensitive guy, and he won my heart with his kindness and thoughtful demeanor. I was so nervous on our first date that I could barely speak. We embarked on our relationship without many of the usual frameworks because he moved away soon after we got together. I started dating him while I also dated a woman I had met at a party. I have always identified as queer, but it was the first time I had ever dated people who accepted both my sexuality and my desire for non-monogamy. As time went by, he and I got engaged, moved in together, got married, and had children. Our relationship remained non-monogamous. We even made out with other people on our wedding night. They moved to Berlin when their daughter was two, and there they discovered a very open culture and a lifestyle in which having children was no barrier to having a good time. It was hard to meet new partners, but I began to go out in the evenings with one of the other married mothers I had met in my children's kindergarten. She and I quickly became close friends. Both of us were wild, adventure-seeking types, looking for fun. Our friendship quickly blossomed into something more, and my husband supported me. One day I noticed that my new friend from my kid's school was staring at me intently. You look really fit, she mumbled, and your eyes are so beautiful. It had, I had no idea whether my husband would support me if I wanted to connect with her, not just as a hookup, but as an actual relationship. This was a new step for us. But he was measured, calm, and accepting. Why not, he said when I asked him. She asked her husband the same thing. Why not, he replied, in turn. When my girlfriend and I broke up, I was devastated. My husband was there for me. I cried every day for weeks. My husband patiently delivered chocolate chip cookies and red wine to me as I lay in bed. He listened to my sorrow and hugged me. He took care of our children and the household more than usual. After several months, I was doing better, but my now ex-girlfriend and I reconnected and slowly began to rebuild our friendship. My husband was always steady, happy to move with me in whichever direction I was going. If she and I were dating and I was happy, he was on board. If I was sad, he would hug me until I felt better. If I wanted to reconnect with her, he trusted my decisions. With my husband's support, I felt empowered to be myself and to experience life in all its fullness, including the soaring heights of new love and the plummeting depths of heartbreak. Oh, wow. Where do I begin? Well, we're going to begin, and we're going to begin right now. 
Hey, thanks for being with me here today at Truth Unbound. And if this podcast is building up your faith with answers to the hard questions out there, and you want others to find God's answers to the same kind of questions that you have, then would you click on like and also subscribe to the channel? Also, feel free to share a link to this podcast on social media or text it to friends with whomever you can today as well. All right, well, let's get back to this very difficult topic for today. Now, what you heard in this, uh, in this article is a recent example of what is called polyamory, which we'll define in just a moment. But now there's not only polyamory, but now we have Christian polyamory. Yep, it's a thing. Here's another article. She says, I'm polyamorous and I'm also a Christian. Both parts of my identity are important to me. Uh, when I grew up, I was raised in a strict Pentecostal conservative household where the only acceptable form of relationship was marriage between one man and one woman. Even divorce was considered fairly taboo. Homosexuality and sex before marriage were definitely off the table. I had certainly never heard about polyamory. I was aware of polygamy in the Bible and in fundamentalist Latter-day State uh, Saints churches, but that was an outlier. Um, having multiple partners wasn't something for people today. I would often develop crushes in middle school and high school, and I'd often have them on multiple people at the same time, and not just on boys either. When I met my husband, Daniel, I thought I could finally put all of that to rest. We met when we were both 18 and got married when we were 20. Getting hitched at a young age wasn't unusual in our evangelical community. We had two children by the time I was 25. However, by this time, I was starting to fall away from the theology and politics of my childhood. I found myself, listen, agreeing with more and more progressive ideologies every day and felt out of place at church and with my conservative friends and family. We moved from Cleveland, Tennessee to Richmond, Virginia for a fresh start, and I started going to a United Church of Christ. The denomination changed my life. They're known for their progressive policies. They were the first to allow LGBTQ clergy to be ordained and the first to marry LGBTQ couples in general. It felt like home to me, like this was the type of Christianity I had always longed for. Okay, so let's let's first define our terms. The the one in the first article uses the term non-monogamy. So let me break that down first, okay? Monogamy means that you share a romantic sexual relationship with only one person for life or for a very prolonged period of time, married or not, and just for the sake of argument today. So non-monogamy, obviously, is the opposite of that, which is having, it's, it's a general term describing having more than one sexual partner. Now, polyamory is kind of an umbrella term as well, covering several forms of having a sexual partner outside of marriage. Now, this could mean polygamy, where a man is married to multiple wives, but each wife has an only sexually, sexually exclusive relationship with the husband, okay? There's also an open relationship where, or an open marriage where a couple is, usually it's a married couple, they're married to just each other, but they have a third partner or more in the mix. Or it could mean cohabiting, a cohabiting couple with various or uh, committed partners in addition uh, to themselves, but not married per se. Or it also could include a married couple who swings, has casual, they're married to each other, but they have casual 
consensual sex with many other people outside of their marriage relationship. According to this article in Crosswalk at Crosswalk.com, it says some estimates have 4 to 5% of people living in the U.S. being in a polyamorous relationship or at least participating in some form of an open relationship. And some believe that one-fifth of the population has participated in a consensual, non-monogamous relationship at some point in their lives. Perhaps even more eye-opening, the article says, is that according to one study, only half of millennials, defined as under 30 years old, want a completely monogamous relationship. Though these statistics are more reflective of the culture at large, certainly these conversations are beginning to happen within the church. One study even showed that 24% of churchgoers believe that polyamory was morally permissible. Now, polyamory is being more openly revealed by people who participate in that kind of lifestyle. Obviously, as these two articles show, and there's many more out there now, it's also being depicted more and more in the media, social media, and especially in movies and TV shows, They're trying to normalize it. Christian polyamorists are usually connected to progressive theology or progressive Christianity, as the woman in the second article said she is involved in. They, they say that Jesus, their, their justification for their polyamory is that Jesus was all about love and people are not to be confined in monogamous marriage relationships if they are not naturally made that way. They also argue that Jesus never addressed the issue, so it must be okay. And Paul, well, Paul was just an old fuddy-duddy and not to be taken seriously when he talks of marriage is strictly a faithful monogamous relationship between a man and a woman only. So is polyamory, loving and having multiple sexual partners, is it acceptable by God? Is he okay with that? Well, the easy answer is a definite no. Now, we're going to see why that is from his word, from God's word. But I want you to hold on with me as there's something else each of these women say that is cleverly hidden in the open. But like I said, we'll get to that in just a little bit. And let me see if you can catch it and how even more destructive that element is in all of this. But first, the most important part. Why does God say it's wrong and unholy? Well, number one, God established the marriage relationship as only a man and woman alone, just them two, sexually, mutually exclusive to only each other. Look at what he says in Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. The second reason God does not approve of polyamory is because any sexual relationship before marriage is called the sin of fornication, and any sexual relationship had outside the marriage relationship is adultery. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not... Will
Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Another reason God does not approve of polyamory is that sex within marriage alone is to be honored, respected, and upheld by everyone, Christian or not. Look at Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. So in that verse, again, it's to be honored among all, the marriage relationship. And it also says that God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Sex is amazing and wonderful when it's just within the bonds of marriage of a man and a woman together for life. And so God's definitions and commands are clear here. But what else is suspect in what these two women say about their polyamorous relationships? Okay, so back to the very first article. Listen to how she says this. Of course, her husband, both the husbands of her and her woman that she was having a sexual relationship with or wanted to have a relationship with, include her in polyamorous relationship with. And the both husbands said, why not? Okay, but listen, as she broke up from this other person, uh, this other woman, she said, I cried every day for weeks. My husband patiently delivered chocolate chip cookies and red wine to me as I lay in bed. He listened to my sorrow and hugged me. He took care of our children in the household more than usual. And then she says, my husband was always steady, happy to move with me in whichever direction I was going. If she and I were dating and I was happy, he was on board. If I was sad, he would hug me until I felt better. If I wanted to reconnect with her, he trusted my decisions. With my husband's support, I felt empowered to be myself and to experience life in all its fullness. Remember that, including the soaring heights of new love and the plummeting depths of heartbreak. My husband is the best person I know. After 12 years, I still believe it. My ex-girlfriend is now one of my best friends. Her husband is someone I care about, trust very deeply. Our relationship ended, but the love we built didn't. Okay, now we're going to move over to the other one who still professes to be a Christian. And this is what she says after she joined the United Church of Christ that reaffirmed her progressive theology leanings. Um, and it, uh, it says, at the same time I was going to a new denomination, I was discovering things about myself, including the fact that my ability to develop attraction to multiple people simultaneously had stuck, or stuck around into adulthood. After a lot of discussion, research, and therapy, my husband and I opened our relationship, and now we live in a home with my partners and our two kids. I'm happily and openly bisexual and polyamorous, and I couldn't imagine my life any other way. Keyword there, imagine. Um, there's, there are. She says, uh, some people don't understand that I can be a Christian and polyamorous, but that's okay. Though many people don't understand it, my Christian faith doesn't conflict with my polyamory. I'm not a biblical literalist, for one thing. I take a historical approach to the Bible. That would be a literalist approach. But anyway, there's nothing about the concept of a biblical marriage that appeals to me. One where I was a woman, uh, I as a woman would be sold by my father to the highest bidder than forced to serve him for the rest of my life. No, thank you. Anyway, even when people bring up biblical polygamy to me as an example of scriptural non-monogamy, I'm careful to point out that it's very patriarchal 
and has no benefit for people in modern relationships. There, she's moving the goalpost again. Well-meaning people ask why I'm still a Christian when I could be agnostic or atheist or something else. My answer is that I still believe in God and the teachings of Jesus Christ. I go to church every week, I pray, I read the Bible, and I still believe in Christ-like values, uh, like caring for the poor or fighting oppression, but not about fornication and all that. Anyway, in fact, I think my faith is stronger and more radical than ever. I really like Christianity, even with its many, many flaws, and I identify strongly with it. I'm happy to be able to raise my children with a form of Christianity that isn't about who's going to hell, which I don't believe in. doesn't matter if it's there in the Bible. Remember, you deny the facts. That's post-truth. And teaches love as the most important commandment. Uh, but obviously, many other Christians don't agree that you can be gay and a Christian, much less that you can be polyamorous and a Christian. People tell me I'm not a real Christian all the time. Um, then she says, uh, I understand anger toward Christianity. I have a lot of it myself. However, it doesn't matter to me, 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 because both my faith and my polyamory are important to me and always will be. I think the key to good sex and relationships is all things being safe, consensual, enjoyable, and emotionally healthy for everyone involved. My Christian faith and my polyamorous identity might seem at odds, but for me, they never have been and never will be. Okay, so did you catch the common thread between the two women and their polyamorous relationships? In the first one, she describes how loving and accepting her husband is, serving her goodies, making her feel secure. The other woman's husband was, well, he was fine with it. And they're just warm and fuzzy with each other. And the whole world is just harmonious and good. In that second article as well, she describes how she doesn't accept a Jesus and Bible that says what she is doing is sinful and destructive. She believes in her form of Jesus and Christianity that she has created and makes her feel good. That is all about the love. Love as, well, as she defines it. You see, the common destructive thread in both of how they describe it is how they move the goalpost to where they want it to be, to fit their make-believe world. With the wave of their magic wand, suddenly all is fun and flowers and lovey-dovey and in harmony because it accommodates the reality that they have created, though it is far from the actual truth and reality of the situation. And so what is the reality, the true reality of what's going on? Well, some studies have shown that there is a fallout for the children as they see partners come and go. Because in these types of relationships, one partner or another will inevitably come, be a part of all their lives, and eventually move on to the next one. And that's the problem. With most of these relationships having children involved, there is a problem with, the, with them becoming emotionally involved with one of the partners, and then they leave out of their lives. And some studies have shown that this brings emotional damage and confusion to the children as to how to approach the relationships when they grow. You see, as they describe things, it's all about them. It's all about what feeds them. The children are never mentioned in these relationships except in passing. And so then these children grow up and having not ever had a model of a monogamous marital 
relationship, they don't know how to have one. And so a lot of times this can be repeated or perpetuated in their own lives, causing further confusion. The studies also mention resentment and jealousy that can arise between partners and multiple struggles for control. Even the over-supervision of children, because there's too many chiefs in the house. Also, legal issues and problems, health problems, even STDs. Not to mention the darkness of the sexual immorality itself and how it further erodes the nuclear family unit in the uh, community and, and society at large. That nuclear family unit is the foundation, fundamental foundation of a civilized culture. You see, all of this mirrors our post-truth age in which we live. The, objecti the objective facts are there for all to see, but they're ignored. For the alternate reality a person creates with their imaginary magic wand and legitimizes it only with their feelings and impulses. Postmodernism said in the past that no one knows the truth, so do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Your truth is your truth and mine is mine. But the post-truth age we're in now sees that there are actual objective facts, but no one cares because they've created their own truth. And the person or persons who have the greatest influence over the majority set the truth standard until someone else's ideas and influence is greater and takes their place in the culture. This reminds us of what Jesus said in John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, God's truth never changes because he never changes. The actual truth and the reality we must live by is based on the holiness and perfect character of Almighty God alone. We do not and cannot create truth ourselves, whether it be about sexuality, relationships, salvation, government, science, or anything else. It's, it's not Play-Doh that we can shape into being what we want it to be. It is making a lie and then believing it, just as Eve and then Adam did in the garden. And since then, we have lived in this horrible mess. Jesus said this in John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. And so polyamory and other similar lifestyles Living in sin like this, in reality, is not about loving someone else, but as we've mentioned before, it's about loving oneself above others, making others feed my desires and impulses to validate me. It's a relationship built on a lie and not on the truth. We are to seek love from others. God has wired us for love, but seeking and having an alternative imaginary form of love not designed by God will only eventually bring dissatisfaction and loneliness, similar, similar to that felt by the woman at the well that Jesus met, who had five husbands and was with a sixth when Jesus met her. We find this story in John chapter 4, where he showed her the way to permanently satisfy the thirst for love and acceptance and forgiveness that her sinful relationships could never satisfy. He said this in John 4, Verses 13 through 18. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. 
but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Well, after this, she ran into the town, left her water, everything there, running into the town, saying, come see the man, come hear the man. That's told me everything I've ever done. And we can only assume that that led to her turning to Christ and turning from her sin to his forever unending love and grace. Well, I hope this has helped to helped you to understand what polyamory is and what it's about and the answers that God has for us. Don't fall to the temptation of sexual sin in relationships that will never satisfy. Have your friendships in romantic relationships, but in the way God has provided and instructed, and you'll never lack for loneliness again. Well, my friend, don't forget to subscribe and share and click like as well. And always remember to follow Jesus, because when you follow Jesus, you'll always follow the truth. Thank you.